Tonight's episode of Birds with Friends is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Eagles tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score last minute tickets. Bird to your mother, it's time for another episode of Birds with Friends. Just a couple of feathery brethren weathering any season to see the Eagles eating teams like bacon, steaks, and cheese. It's Philadelphia, Bowen Shield in the cut, kicking it cooler than two penguins. Still Bo's old arch nemesis, Greg Cosell shows up and it gets real. Pull up a branch and chill, it's time to get ill with some Birds with Friends. The early bird skips the worm and prefers getting turned like a turn on some Birds with Friends. Bo Kapati, you coming at you with stats and things flapping their wings. Now I'm gonna have the rest of my life with these kids. Wow, get, we gotta get that in a drop uh, immediately. We're editing that one out. That didn't come out quite. There's no editing. No, no editing yeah, on this that's podcast. That's the one with birds with friends. No editing. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Birds with Friends on a Wednesday afternoon. Bo Wolf here. Zach Berman there. Shil Kapadia also there. Not in the same place, but also not where I am. How are you guys doing? Good. Doing well. Excited for the pod. Bang up intro. Bang up intro. Shield sounds ready to go. For this I mean, episode. never. You know how I'm doing. You don't need to ask me. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, coming up on the show today, we've got a lot of Eagles news to talk about. So we will go through all of that stuff in Bird on the Street. We'll get some of Shield's thoughts on the Eagles' loss to the Vikings in the Squall 22. And then we'll close things out with a uh, with a toucan you. We haven't done a toucan you in a while, and I know Sheil hates him, so uh, I think this will be fun. Let's uh, let's start with the bird on the street, though. Uh, lots of Eagles news. Why don't we start with the release of Zach Brown, which came on Monday, and uh, Doug Peterson saying today that it was uh, based on the field, not anything related to Kirk Cousins' comments. He and Jim Schwartz have both said. They, they defense needs a lot more from their linebacker position. Zach, tell us what this means for the state of the linebacking core as we move forward to the Cowboys on Sunday, and then uh, we can see if Sheil agrees that uh, the linebacker position has been a real struggle for the Eagles. Yes, yeah, so the timing of the move is curious because not just you cut your starter, but Nigel Bradham is, is day-to-day with an ankle injury. Uh, if they get Bradham back for Sunday's game against the Cowboys, then you know who one linebacker is going to be. Uh, when they're in base, my guess is you'll have Nate Gary and Kamu Gersher-Hill on the field with Bradham. But I'm thinking you're going to see more of Bradham back at strong side linebacker and Nate Gary in the middle. That's, that's a spot that they like Nate. They trust him in terms of his understanding of the offense, and I think that's one way to potentially unlock Bradham. When they're in nickel – uh, my guess is you'll see Bradham and Gruger Hill, although I'm not positive about that because Nate Gary has been playing ahead of him thus far. The other thing is that Doug Peterson said this could open up more playing time for TJ Edwards, 
Uh, I found that to be an interesting thing he mentioned, but certainly something to monitor. Uh, but what they there's there's no way to kind of sugarcoat this. The Eagles cut their starting linebacker a day after he played what 82 percent of the snaps or thereabouts um, in Sunday's game. So as as you said, Doug Peterson said it was not about the Kirk Cousins comment, although when he was asked if this was entirely on the field, he kind of gave a squirmish answer there and said he's not going to get into everything there, uh, but the, you know they do want more performance from their linebackers. Yeah, well, I, I, I think that he has not played well. and I, I thought he was really I, bad on Sunday. Well, I don't know. I, I think it has to do with it certainly has to do with some of the personality stuff and whether it's fit and buy-in or the cousins' comments, whatever. I mean, there's a reason this guy kind of floats from team to team every year or two. Right. And I, I, I don't think it is just the on-field stuff because on Sunday they thought he was better than all their other options and they played him 80% of the snaps. You know, like he didn't all of a sudden just start sucking. If on, <laughs> you know, like 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 last week they could have said, all right, this guy's not playing well. Let's put uh, one of these, uh, you know, let's put someone else in there to replace him. And they, it's not, you know, they they had all those options. It's not like they just acquired a linebacker via trade. So I think it's all those things. I don't think it's going to hurt them. Uh, you know, he he's very vulnerable to play action. He I wouldn't describe him as in football speak assignment sound. Uh, you know, I, I think we probably saw this coming a little bit. I, I remember having a conversation. I can't remember if it was with you guys or Tim McManus, but like it might've been during training camp or early in the season. And I was asking about, Hey, you know, how are, how are some of the new guys talking to your exes? Jeez. Given that I wasn't covering the, um, the, the team on a daily basis. So I, I was asking about the new guys and Zach Brown's name came up and I was like, yeah, he, he sounds kind of interesting. Like almost the conversation was basically predicting that at some point during this season, right. he's going to be like a headline on ESPN.com for something he says. We didn't know when, and it really uh, played out that way. And uh, his career as an Eagle is officially over. I think that's right. Uh, at the same time, now it is true that like they, for whatever reason, they wanted to bring uh, Kamu back sort of slowly into the defense uh, I don't know if, if that was because of uh, information from the medical staff or just uh, continuing the trend where they don't fully trust him. But uh, that is at least a, a true thing in terms of, like, why wasn't Zach Brown playing less if they didn't, if they didn't like him as much? Uh, but I think, I think you're right, Chill. It's the same thing that, uh, that you always say, that let's, let's watch what they do as opposed to uh, listen to what they say. I mean, he was playing a lot. I didn't think he was very good. And at the same time, I think it's probably fair to say that like the linebacker play has been the least you know, detrimental part of the Eagles' defensive performance so far. I, I think that's more the nature of the position than the way they actually play. Like, I don't think they're playing well. I don't think they're playing mediocre. Right. And, you know, Camus Grugier-Hill wasn't exactly lighting it up uh, on Sunday. Nate Gary wasn't. like. I mean, no one likes to bite on play action like Camus Grugier-Hill. So, uh, you know, I think we'll <laughs> continue to see that. You know, Nate Gary, I, I think it was a tight end, got his hands on Nate Gary on that 35-yard run in the uh, fourth quarter that Bo poo-pooed during the postgame pod is no big deal. Uh and, I and it, just, it, it, was Alex, <laughs> it was Madison, that's all. Well, so, so what? He doesn't count? Uh, they're trying to. They're it trying counts. to get the ball back. They're trying to get against... the ball back, and yeah, that was a that was a big play that kind of knocked them out of the game. Okay, that's okay. fine. 
So when a you know, I, I think we've seen that with Nate Gary that yeah, he is the converted safety, but when a guard sort of gets his hands on Nate Gary, or in this case, I, I think it was a tight end, I could be wrong about that, that oftentimes he has trouble uh, shedding that block and getting to the ball carrier. So Again, I don't think it's going to have a huge difference one way or another, quite honestly. I think in the NFL in 2019, especially with the way the Eagles play and the sub packages, you can get by with mediocre to below average linebacker play. But, you know, I disagree with the notion that the linebackers have been good because of some of the numbers. I mean, just because the cornerbacks are so bad that the outside receivers are lighting them up doesn't mean that they're like locking down these tight ends and running backs. I didn't say they've been good. I just said they've been the least bad yeah okay i guess so i mean i don't know like if 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 either the defensive line or the cornerbacks were playing well then the def- the linebackers wouldn't matter I, that's right uh zach tim shields uh, x asked a good question <laughs> of doug today which was you know it, it sort of seems like doug is trying to send a message earlier this week with both his comments on monday about the eagles gonna you know they're gonna go down to dallas and win and the, the Zach Brown release. Do you do you read this as uh, sort of Doug sending a message to the team? The release itself or just the entire week? The entire week. I thought the I thought too much was was made out of the comment Doug made on radio. I didn't interpret that as as like this this really controversial um, statement. Uh, now that was kind of perceived as guaranteeing victory. I, I, I perceived it the way Doug said. He's pledging confidence in his team that he he was kind of saying how the sky's not falling. They're, they're going to go down to Dallas. They're going to win. They're going to be first place in the, in the NFC East, and everything's going to be fine. Um, so I, I don't interpret that the way others did. Uh, but I do think that they want kind of the alert of this team. I, I think they want the team on high alert. And – that's been the Zach Brown release to me does send a message with that. And I imagine that the messaging in the locker room is going to be very consistent. Uh, I, I, I would guess Doug is, is really going to be on point there in terms of what he wants these guys to say. Uh, so there's some, I think there's validity to Tim's question. I just did. I didn't perceive like, I didn't, I didn't think that was Doug pulling a Joe Namath or anything like that. Uh, I think it was still noteworthy, though. I mean, the guy's done how many radio hits, how many press conferences over the years. You know, we see the clips in the locker room of him saying, you you know, talk respectfully about that team over there. Like, Zach, you've made the point that Doug doesn't always sort of get out the words that he wants to say or the words that are in his head in the uh, in the exact way that he envisions them. So it could certainly be a case of that. But I don't remember him making a statement like this. Yeah, it wasn't a, it wasn't a guarantee and we blow everything up. Uh, and that's true, but he's also very, usually very careful with kind of what he says in these situations. You are correct about that. I, I do think Doug gets annoyed when there's like negativity about the team at a juncture when, when he doesn't necessarily think it's warranted. What he doesn't uh, think it's warranted after they go, after <laughs> they just lay, laid an egg in Minnesota. I think it's more like six games into the season. Like if it, you know, if if there's negativity after the Saints game last year, I think he gets it. He doesn't like it, but I think he he gets it. I, I think the, the from Doug's perspective, I think he's looking at it like there's a lot of football left to be played. The NFC East is wide open. 
Like the sky is not falling. So I, that's that's kind of how I perceive it. But uh, I agree with Shield that it is a noteworthy comment. It's 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 not like he was just trying to kind of give a cliche answer to get to the next question. Yeah, I think I think to an extent he he knew what he was doing. Uh, all right, let's get to the next big piece of news, and that is that Jason Peters, given the dreaded week-to-week designation by Doug Peterson, that means that Andre Dillard is set to start his first game at left tackle for the Eagles, although he has filled in for Jason Peters a few times over these first six games. Shield, how has uh, Dillard looked in your estimation so far? Well, he wasn't a disaster, but I wouldn't say he played well. And I, I think the big question to me is his strength. And this sort of goes back to uh, his high school days, his college days, the story I wrote, how, you know, what he had to do to sort of keep weight on while he was at Washington State. You know, I, I noticed Dillard, I think it was three times he ended up on the ground uh, when he was in pass protection. And that's, you know, that, that's pretty okay. rare. Yeah, that's rare for an offensive tackle. You know, one was a sack he gave up. Another one, he got walked back into Carson Wentz's uh, face, but Wentz made a terrific throw to Nelson Aguilar. And there was a third one, I think, where Wentz sort of just escaped the pocket, uh, rolled out to his left. And actually, maybe the most concerning play was they they had a wide receiver screen to the left. And so uh, Andre Dillard got out there to try to block a linebacker, you know, in space. And so he got out there fine. Anthony Barr came over and flattened him, like knocked him over. And so uh, that play, I, I kind of rewound a couple times and it caught my attention. Now, am, am I saying, all right, like we need to panic about Andre Diller. This was a terrible pick. He's a bust, of course, not nothing like that. Uh, I think we all thought it was a good move to trade up for him. We all think he's going to be a good player. He was impressive in the summer. It was, but, you know, it was the but fr- I mean, to be fair, that was before you gave him the Kapadia curse. Cur- well, no, I think I gave him the curse early, didn't I? Well, I, I, I mean, I, I mean the, the drafting him was before you gave him the curse. So we like the move then. That's so. true. That's true. But then I think I wrote the story, and then he had a good summer. Although, that's I guess true. he had kind of a roller coaster of a summer. <laughs> so maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe you have a point. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it looked very much to me like a left tackle seeing his first significant action against a very good defense in the NFL. But I, I think if there's one thing to watch, it's not sort of his – smarts or his footwork or his athleticism or anything that I, I do think it's, uh, you know, our defensive ends and defensive players going to be able to just sort of overpower him. And whether that means pushing him back into uh, Carson Wentz's face or knocking him over uh, those types of things uh, that that's kind of my concern with him right now is he's, it looks like he's going to have to play. Zach, do you have any Jason Peters, Andre Dillard thoughts? Well, I think they need Andre Dillard to step in and, and be a like a high level or, or at least above above replacement level player. Um, Doug Peterson made the reference today to Halapulavati Vaitai as a rookie, kind of struggled early on and then stabilized. This isn't the same thing as Vaitai as a rookie. Vaitai was a fifth round pick who was pressed into action because Lane Johnson unexpectedly, you know, got well, he was suspended. But it, it wasn't like they drafted Vitae to all of a sudden be a starter that day, that season. Andre Dillard's a 24-year-old first-round pick. Um, sure, there's going to be growing pains, but you expect his baseline to be like starting caliber player. Um, so I, I will not want to hear from the Eagles' perspective, like if he struggles, them saying, well, he's still learning, it's still early on. Um, 
he's a high pick that they traded up for. Even though he's not a starter, that's only because Jason Peters is on the team. He needs to play and play well. I think that's fair. I think those are fair expectations. And as we you know, continue sort of looking at uh, Howie Roseman's track record of recent high draft picks, I think, I think it's fair to expect that, as you said, the guy's 24 years old. Like, he does sort of need to, need to be ready to play right away. That's all. Uh, next, I agree. Next up on the uh, list of injured positions, we've got cornerback where Ronald Darby and Jalen Mills both practicing to at least some capacity today. Uh, Doug and Jim Schwartz both sort of keeping it mum as to their expectations for who will play on Sunday. But, but what is your read on that situation, Zach? I'm sorry. Can you repeat that real quick? I, I, I apologize for that. Unbelievable. Zoned out. I love it. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I had to respond to something very important. For oh. Me, but, oh, more um, important than the podcast. No, it's not more important than the podcast. I well, apologize. apparently it is. <laughs> I apologize. It was just something that, that required my urgent attention. What do you think is going on at cornerback with the potential yes. return of Ronald Darby <laughs> and Jalen Mills? So, yeah, so I, I just got back from practice. They were both out there today um, in, in pads. Uh, the fact that the Eagles have that open roster spot, they waived Ryan Lewis earlier this this week, and so that would indicate two open them. roster spots. Yes, uh, but but I would imagine one. They're kind of waiting to see what happens with Nigel. They could promote Alex Singleton if if Nigel's uh, either not ready or in question. Uh, but the cornerback spot, uh, you know, I I would imagine that they're saving that for Jalen Mills. I I do think Mills is going to be back this week. He hasn't played football uh, since London last October. Um, the fact that Darby's back at practice is a good sign. I, I would expect to see a rotation in the Eagles secondary, similar to what you saw in week one. But now you have four guys who would theoretically be rotating on the outside. Um, so it's, it's going to be pretty interesting what Sidney Jones's role is when these guys are back. Because I, I do think all those questions we had during the summer, I think we know what our answer is now. I don't expect Jones to be a starting cornerback for this team when Mills and Darby are healthy. I think both Mills and Darby will be the starters and eventually playing the large majority of the snaps. But I, I would expect Sidney Jones to be number four on the depth chart behind Douglas, behind Mills, behind Darby. What do you think about – go ahead, Shil. No, I, I think Zach had had a tweet, which was exactly what I was thinking about Jalen Mills, where now he's like the savior. Yeah. And usually he is the guy everybody just right. wants to get out of there as quickly as possible, which is, you know, it's kind of like it just um, it just keeps turning as a as a game happens and then somebody screws up and everybody wants uh, the other guy. So uh, obviously this leads into the Jalen Ramsey conversation as well. And Bo's piece about the uh, 22 player. How did you settle on 22 players? I just had a list and <laughs> that turned out to be, I, I, I ended up cutting a couple punt returners because uh, of the Boston Scott promotion. I had Kenyon Barner on there, which I think would have really reeled in the subs. I noticed that Doug came very close today to doing the thing about, uh, well, we didn't make a trade, but, you know, we feel like we're getting these guys back. And yes. Yeah, he came, that we talked about on uh, on the last podcast there. So, uh, you know, I, I think part of it is I think it's kind of an overreaction to the defense, quite honestly. I, I forget. I think one of you mentioned it was like the Titans game last year. Um, I thought right? it was like, no, I thought it was like the, the Bucks, Bucks game. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, the Bucks game. Okay, I kind of feel like it was like the Titans game a little bit. I think you might. Last... Be, I was thinking about that too today, actually, just in th- in thinking of like the uh, Jim Schwartz getting burned on an odd coverage choice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it sort of felt that way, but I don't know. I, I feel like the defense needs to get to mediocre. The defense doesn't need to be elite. They're getting guys healthy. You know, people. I don't get really crushing Schwartz. I mean, I, I do. To, it seems like the, the, this is like a. a anti-Jim Schwartz week, which, I mean, I know that they gave up 38 points to the Vikings, but, like, let's calm down. We have a lot of evidence that tells us that Jim Schwartz is one of the best defensive coordinators in the league. Yes, I think it's fine to crush him for this specific game because I do think the Vikings sort of, uh, you know, it's it's personnel-based to a degree, but I do think the Vikings offensive coaching staff gave them an advantage over the Eagles a defensive coaching staff. And when you have stuff like that coverage bust yeah. where no, you know, no one knows what they're doing and two guys are running free 50 yards downfield, like that's rare to see. So I think you can blame coaching on that. But if we take a step back and look at it, big picture, I mean, the guy has maximized the personnel that he's been given, I think as the defensive coordinator. And so I think it's, you know, when this goes back, we had this conversation midway through last year and I think he'll, he'll figure some things out and that they'll be okay defensively. Would you guys have made the same deal that the Rams made? Well, we're going to get to that Zach. Oh, I, I'm sorry, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I was as, as Sheil was referencing the, the question about the trade today, I, I thought it was topical. But uh, I will topic. defer. I will can, defer to the host here, Bo. I'm sorry. We can carry talk on. About it. Uh, He's so territorial about his hosting duties, uh, isn't he? No, that's not true. I just, you know, I got a little uh, rundown I, I, here. Like I, I don't know. I might. I'm, I might have uh, Gelb over to talk about that. Okay, <laughs> go for it. Uh, I thought. Well, well listen, Shields, 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 the one who had his had his grades. So why don't we why don't we start with Mr. National? Uh, that doesn't mean I know what I'm talking about. That just means they started a Slack channel, Jalen Ram- Ramsey trade, and said, who's up for a grade? Mm. And so I, I got to do it. Uh, you know, I, I sort of, when the, when the idea of Jalen Ramsey, when I first thought about it many weeks ago, I was very much on the fence. I think you guys were part of the reason I, I kind of got talked into it. And I, I just think it was a very unique situation. And the big thing is his age. You know, this yeah. is a 20. 20- 25 year old player this is not a 27 28 year old player and so I think that really makes a big difference and you know I think teams get into trouble when they pay premium prices for unproven players or mediocre players or slightly above average players but like there's nothing yelled at me and someone gave me an f off a Steelers fan in the comments when I when I dared (laughs) say that Minka Fitzpatrick wasn't already a pro bowler like an all pro level player I mean, that's going to end up with them trading a top like ten pick for think of Fitzpatrick. Yeah, so exactly. So when I think about the elite, you know, the teams that we feel like are going to be in the playoffs or you know on the fringe, Eagles, Rams, whatever, you're going to be picking most likely in the twenties, and so. I think it's a deal I would have done. I think I sort of made the, you know, talked myself into it at one point. And I am a little bit concerned that they haven't signed Ramsey to an extension. I don't know if that is sort of behind the scenes. That's part of the deal and it will get announced eventually. If it doesn't, and that's a bit, a bit of a concern. He's only signed through next year. But if you feel really confident that he's going to be with you for whatever, the next four or five, six years, then I don't think it's a crazy amount to give up. And, you know, yeah, it's great to build through the draft. That's the smart way to do it. But I do think it swung a little bit 
to protecting these draft picks that are in the 20s when you have a chance to get a player who's just approaching his prime at a premium position, who's durable, who's already proved he can play at an elite level. Like I would be a little bit concerned about the stuff we talked about before. I don't like that he was sort of not there playing, maybe not there for his teammates, you know, whatever, if this back injury, you know, whatever it is. That part is a little bit concerning to me, but everything else, I feel like it, you know, to, to speak in Mike Mayock terms, it checks the boxes of a deal where you would give up a lot of draft capital. I think so, too. And, and as I've said, I would have tried to do this deal if I was the Eagles. I did think that, like, the Rams specifically, you know, they have, they have thrown away a lot of draft picks. It's not uh, – so this is continuing down the path for them uh, of that th- – of, of that uh, sort of short-sighted planning. Now, I agree that it's not as short-sighted with Ramsey because he's young, but that's like one particular franchise and, and also with the amount of money that they've committed to other players, that that's like one franchise where I'm not sure I would have pulled the trigger. But in general, I, I do think that, as we've said, Ramsey is like one of the few guys who I think is, is worth this kind of price. Perm? What's the question? No, that was a joke there. Uh, <laughs> I'll start <sorry>. a joke. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I would not have done the deal um, if if I was Howie Roseman, but I wouldn't have been critical if they did. And and I I know I'm kind of playing both yeah, sides. What does of the that mean? Here. So I'm about to explain it. Okay, in the Eagles situation, if this was a year ago or two years ago. And they were in the same spot, but Carson was earlier on. Uh, then I, I, I would have no hesitation doing it. Similar to what the Bears did getting Khalil Mack at that point in Trubisky's contract. At the point where they are with Wentz and what that contract swells to in the coming years, and where Ramsey is in his contract, uh, that's where I, I, I'd be a little hesitant, or, or I guess more than hesitant. That's where I'd have resistance to it because I think that the Eagles really need cost-controlled players and cost-controlled starters. Um, They uh, have some expensive contracts coming up, but there's going to be a lot of pressure here to hit on on these coming draft picks, similar to what this past season was. Uh, I don't think the price was prohibitive, and I do think – and what what, what Shield said was accurate. When you're getting – like an established blue chip player at a young age, uh, I I don't think you can overpay. I don't think the Bears overpaid for Cleo Mack. I don't think the Cowboys overpaid for Amari Cooper, although he's at a little different level than Cleo Mack and Jalen Ramsey. Uh, but there was also one fewer first round pick in in that deal. I think it's it's worth the price. I just think where the Eagles are as a franchise right now and where their cap picture is. Um, I would really value getting starters in the first round, but they need to hit those picks. I don't totally agree on the on the the cash stuff with specific respect to Ramsey. Just because, I mean, you you have to pay players eventually, and sure, if you're going to pay like a premium young player, that seems like a good use of money to me. Yeah, I agree with you. If you don't have these other contracts on your books. The Eagles have pushed some money down the line here that there's going to be a lot of, you know, I don't say a lot, a handful of players here in, you know, double digit millions already. And when you add someone else, even if he's a blue chip player, unless they say, you know what, we're going to move on from Fletcher Cox eventually, you know, in the next year or two. But if you have 
three guys making or averaging 20 million a year, let's say, um, that's that that's a tough situation or it just requires a lot of maneuvering. Now, I trust Eagles cap people. I, I think they've done a very good job. And frankly, I think they've done a better good job. I think they've done a better job managing the cap and they've done acquiring players in the past two three years no uh, but it certainly is something i i would consider yeah and with the rams i mean i'm looking at it and maybe this was the wrong way but if you look at it sort of in a vacuum as this one move i think it makes sense i mean their other moves are the reason why you're, you you would criticize this move you know like that That's todd Gurley, fair, the, yeah. the todd Gurley contract and uh maybe the jared goff contract like those types of things are uh are the reason why I think maybe people thought this was a bad move, but I look at it like, like five years from now, what's the more likely scenario? Is it that, Hey, this was a great, you know, Jalen Ramsey helped them make deep playoff runs in the NFC, or is it that their roster building challenge was uh, so tough that they weren't able to build depth and it sort of, uh, it torpedoed them. And same thing from the Jaguars perspective. I mean, are they going to look back at this in five years and say, wow, look at those two players we got, for Jalen Ramsey, they lifted us up to contention. I mean, I, I think the more likely scenario is that Ramsey helps the Rams. I agree on both those points. I agree, except that I do just want to make sure we remember that uh, I was the one who said the Rams weren't going to make the playoffs this year, and that's uh, looking not like, like not a bad bet. Well, I was going to – am I allowed to ask a question, Bo? <laughs> yes, <Okay>. you are. <laughs> okay. What's – What's more likely, that the Eagles are drafting number 30 next year or that the Eagles are drafting number 15 next year? Next year? 15. Like this upcoming draft. Oh, oh. Uh, like 2020. That's a good question. I What's 15? 15, 15 is right, right out of the playoffs? Yes. That, right? And, and perhaps even higher, let's say. Uh, I, I think 15 may be more likely yeah. than 30. So, yeah, so it, it could be that there's a calculation going on okay. inside the NovaCare complex that we're not as good as we thought and that, all right, we're, we're going to try to win the division and catch fire here, but let's hold our resources instead of being buyers. I, I don't know that's happening, but certainly with the, way, with the inconsistencies they've shown, uh, I need to imagine that there's a voice in the room who should at least propose that as a possibility. You, you don't want to kind of deceive yourself. I think that's a good point. Uh, and I think that is, that is an important part of the process is, is uh, self-evaluating correctly. And, and frankly, I, I think it's fair to say that maybe they didn't do that this offseason. So. No, and, uh, and, and you made the point a moment ago. Um, I, that's probably something that the Steelers didn't do either. You know, the Steelers probably didn't think they were trading a top-ten pick. Well, yeah, I, w- I would. I, I would think that's where it would probably help to give the analytics people a voice and pose that exact question you just mentioned, Zach, and they could tell you what the likelihood is of all those things. Because I do think the people inside the building are probably thinking we'll get it together, and you know, thirty is more likely. So, gun to your water, gun to your head, Zach and Sheil. Do you think that Howie makes a deal over the next uh, two weeks? A, a deal of significance, not a. Uh, a Kenyon Barner for a seventh round pick. Oh, how dare you go just, just throw in your former ping pong partner under the bus. That's well, we're tight like that. So he knows, you know, we, we're like brothers basically. So we have that kind of relationship. 
I think I, if they were to trade a pick, it's going to be lower than the one they made the past two years. So the it, it, it wouldn't be a third rounder. It wouldn't be a fourth rounder. I think it'd be like a, a fifth, sixth, or seventh, or a 2021 pick. I'll, I'll throw a uh, I'll throw a pastaficios on that. I'll say they they make a trade that involves a fourth round pick or higher. Okay, I like that. Okay, between right, you two, I'm out of this one. Do, did we make a pastaficios bet on the Panthers Falcons or no? Who, who's tracking our pastaficios bets? Good question. Hopefully pastaficios. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just feel like uh, Howie is by nature aggressive, yeah. and yeah, maybe they learned something from last year's Golden Tate. Uh, move, but at the same time, I think they went into the season thinking they have a Super Bowl roster. I think they will look at the division, and regardless of what happens on Sunday, they will think we're right in this thing. We have a, you know, we face some bad teams in the second half. We have a quarterback who's healthy. We have an offensive line who's relatively healthy. Let's uh, let's address a weakness. And I don't know what that. I mean, I don't know. I feel like adding some speed at receiver might is might mm-hmm. be a better option. Than adding a cornerback uh, when I, you know, we can get, we'll get to the squall 22, but uh, I don't know. I feel like that might be just as important. So I don't know where it will be, but uh, I think they might be aggressive. And the other thing is there are some really terrible teams this year. And so, yes. you know, you if keep talking, I'm going to answer that doorbell real quick. Okay. Wait, but as, as she was saying, I, I would like to kind of modify my stance here. Oh, no. Uh, What's it going to be? You, because you talked me into it, and I agree, oh, with, no. I agree with Shield here. That, <laughs> but uh, especially if the Eagles win Sunday. If the Eagles beat Dallas on Sunday, then I think that the view in this building is going to be we have the driver's seat to a home playoff game. If we get a home playoff game, and we have a franchise quarterback, uh, even though you don't get that first round by, we have a shot. Oh, see, uh, so I think I'll, that would be I think that would be bad if they put all that stock into one result. I kind of feel like either way. I mean, you, if you lose your one game out, you play sure. the you play the Cowboys again. You've got a weak second half of the schedule. I mean, I, I think the decision would be made uh, regardless Regard- of the result on Sunday. But I don't know. Now I'm trying to go the other way to kind of rope <laughs> you back in. Yeah, well, how about uh, here? I, I'll make the line third round. Would you oh, do that? Oh, right. oh, you're you're trying to weasel back? Uh, he just, yeah, well, yeah, I said I she'll mean, he just he just totally backed out and said I, I convinced him. So now we're I trying to find a middle ground. All right. How about how about? Uh, well, I guess no. I think I think fourth round's good. Yeah, I think fourth. I think a fourth round pick is a significant pick. Yeah, but I could see them trading for, say, Leonard Williams. I could see a fourth-round pick for Leonard Williams. Yeah, but you just said that you didn't think they would do that. You missed this as you were answering the, as you were answering the door. I said, Listen, that stick, could, stitch, fix, stick, stitch Fix package wasn't going to pick itself up. Oh, are you you do Stitch Fix? No, that's, that's for my wife. Oh, I was going to say, okay. And I don't have that, I don't, I don't have that kind of, uh, that, that kind of uh, sway for myself. I know that's right. <laughs> uh, I do think I, I think um, what I don't like is playing in sort of the middle ground of the trade market, sort of like the Golden Tate deal. I think it makes more sense to me to try to either pay a significant price for a significant player or to pay a a small price for a, a sort of turnkey player at a position of need. We shall see. I'm not saying that's what they will do. I'm just saying that's 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 my view of what is the efficient uh, use of the trade market. 
That's all. Okay. Uh, all right. Before we get to the Squall 22, I did want to follow up on Sidney uh, Jones. Do we think there's a chance that he is the nickel if uh, Mills and Darby or, say, Mills and Douglas are the outside corners? Or will it remain Orlando Skandrick and Sidney Jones is relegated to the bench? That would be my guess. Well, that's a good question. Uh, I don't think Sidney Jones is going to be the nickel. Uh, I think they're going to continue this rotation at cornerback, and Sidney will be in the rotation. But I'm trying to think here if eventually he'll get some nickel reps. The thing is, Avante, you would think, is going to be back at some point here. Uh, yeah, Craven who knows LeBlanc how long? Could be back at some point. Yeah. Uh, he I'm is just no longer how- wearing the neck brace, which is, uh, I suppose, step one. But he still is in the concussion protocol. Right. So, something to monitor. I saw those tweets. It was it was a real glimpse into kind of the football world, you know? Well, the guy no longer has a neck right. brace on. He, he should be out there soon. Right. Like, right. my gosh, I would, you know, I would get a neck brace off. I would be six months from probably <laughs> turning my head in one direction. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. <laughs> By uh, the way, Andrews, when we're not at the Squall 22, I don't know if you guys talked about this or not. I mean, Andrew Sandejo came flying in on this third and long yes, play. Yes, like the third and, and 33. Camus Gruget Hill. I mean, if Gruget Hill. And could have got a penalty. Duck, yeah, if he doesn't duck there, like, I don't know. He, he's just used to it. Like, they must have defensive meetings. Like, get down because <laughs> our teammate is a lunatic. <laughs> Even Mike My Zimmer gosh. brought it up. <laughs> he brought, he the, brought up. Oh, the friendly fire. Up, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Like, chill out, dude. Ridiculous. Uh, all right, what did you uh, what did you make of the Squall Twenty Two, Doctor Capadia? I don't know. Is there a specific thing we should sort of get into here? I feel like a lot of it's been covered, and people yeah. have turned to the Cowboys game. So, do you, any any specific areas, and then I can get to some leftovers if you like. Uh, one question. Yeah, Rasul Douglas. Are you concerned, or did you think that this was just sort of a one bad game, or or he was put in some bad situations? Yeah, I think he's taken too much heat. I mean, okay. I thought he had played well like the previous three games. Yeah. Now, he played – there are the two big plays, obviously. We talked about one was just a coverage bust. The other one, you know, I checked in with Coach Flynn on this. And basically, you know, I know you guys have talked about it and written about it. They're, they're in quarters coverage. It's a zone coverage that turns into man downfield. And so when you write up that play on the chalkboard, you would probably say, okay – Rodney McLeod is maintaining his depth. Rasul Douglas is going to have help on that post to Stefan Diggs, and we'll have it covered that way. But on the field, when you're playing quarters, you know, Coach Flynn's point was basically once it gets downfield, you have that outside receiver, like, you, you know, you got to, you basically need to plaster and, and play man coverage there. And so uh, I think Douglas definitely needs to do a better job there, regardless of what is happening with the safety. So, I mean, he didn't play well in this game. This was a terrible game for him. There's no doubt about it, but I don't like, I don't know. I I feel like I am not willing to throw away kind of what he had done previously. We know what he is. He's a player with some physical limitations, but I thought he was sort of, uh, you know, maximizing his potential in a way the previous three games. So, uh, that that would answer that. The other one was a was a coverage bust, as we sort of discussed. Now Malcolm Jenkins took responsibility. Did any other defensive backs take responsibility there? Or no? Uh, no, no. Although not all of them <laughs> talked. Okay. But I mean, uh, yeah, there were two guys. There were two guys wide open. 
Yeah, the other side of the field. Right, they so completely we... screwed. They probably they screwed it up more even. Right. So, anyway. Um, uh, what would you say is a bigger concern, the secondary or the lack of speed on offense? Hmm. Well, I think if you're looking at it from a big picture, like an explosive offense can make up for a lot of issues. I thought actually in the – like there was a stretch in this game where I thought it was as good as Wentz has looked – all season. So if you want to look at like a silver lining, I don't know if you guys felt the same way, but there was a point in that game where I'm like, he's cooking, just hand him the keys, like step back and just see if he can put the team on his back. Some of the plays that stood out, he he kind of escaped pressure. I think it was Dillard uh, and he escaped pressure and found Jeffrey for that 23 yarder in the middle of the field. That was a really nice play. I thought that that throw to Mac Hollins before halftime, that was a huge play. Uh, you know, the fade yeah. down the right sideline. Hit him in the yeah, hand. He should have caught that. Yeah, like, all right, it's not an easy play, but I don't know. If you're making your living on being a wide receiver, like, make the make that play. You I know, agree. Like, All right, if you make it seven out of ten times, and that's one of the three that you don't find, but I don't know. It just feels like no one on the team's making that play for him. That was a great throw. That gets you a touchdown. You don't even get into the fake field goal. I, I thought that was really a significant play uh, in the game there. In the I thought, third quarter. I love his, his throw to Aguilar on the crossing route, sort of back oh, foot. What a beautiful that throw that was. That was an outrageous throw. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I think he might. Didn't Gross say he, like someone was stepping? Yeah, he Gross, Gross said that, yeah. I mean, that was an incredible throw for 23 yards. Unbelievable so, throw. Those are so even plus the, the you know it's a good it's a, a throw so soft that even Nelson Aguilar could catch it. <laughs> well, you know you had the bow football focus thing before, yeah. and it's it's really like that's all I can think about when I watch <laughs> Aguilar now. It's really fr- I can only imagine how frustrating it is for like the coaches. I mean, he's going downfield and like the you know he's not like a slight guy. You know he's like a well built guy. Yep. The, the the littlest contact seems to knock him over and he's asking for a flag like you just got to fight through some of that stuff and get to the ball there was that play in the uh let me see where did i write this down yes i thought this was a key sequence too in the fourth quarter uh Aguilar ran that route deep into the end zone and wentz just chucked it up I, I thought he had a shot at that ball yeah like, I don't know if he, you know, I don't want to do the Donnell Pumphrey lost it in the lights or whatever, but he certainly didn't track the ball well. He was looking for a flag. And so you have that. If you watch the film, Matt Collins, he has his arms raised. He thinks that's a touchdown oh, as man. he looks back at the end zone. It's kind of incredible. I'm, at first, I'm like, wait, is he waving for Wentz to throw him the ball? No, he's got his arms up. He thinks based on whatever he knew pre-snap and, you know, the ball in the air, he thinks the Eagles have a touchdown and it just ends up being incomplete. Then you have the delay of game after that. Then you have Jordan Howard uh, not picking up the blitz on that sack. Mm-hmm. On that play, Zach Ertz, you know, just totally duped Harrison Smith. Great route, wide open. That's a first down. Wentz can't get him the ball. So I thought that three-play stretch uh, was also very significant. And that's and then, when we saw Carson get angry. Yes. Yeah. And that's when we saw him get angry. And then, you know, just in the first quarter, they have that third and two and that fourth and two where they don't convert. And then the very next play, the Vikings have a 51 yard touchdown. I thought that was just symbolic of how the Eagles have to work so hard for these two yards and they can't get it. And then they flip, you know, the, the other team comes on the field and you have a coverage bust. One play. Uh, I can't remember which one that was, but they get this easy 51 yard touchdown. That was a wide open one. Yeah. I actually don't, 
I didn't look at this and think like the offense is a disaster. I, I, I looked at it. I was, you know, I was encouraged by Wentz. I thought coaching wise, they schemed some stuff up nicely. I mean, I think they had as many 20 plus yard plays as the Vikings and they're doing it to Miles Sanders. They're getting creative with Tim. Obviously Carson Wentz is making plays outside the structure of the offense. So I know Peterson said today, he felt like they were close. Like, I don't think that's crazy. I do think if, and it's a big if, but if Deshaun Jackson is able to stay healthy, like you could see them reel off a string of, you know, 30 mm-hmm. plus point games. Or, I mean, even if Alshon Jeffrey could just stay in bounds after he catches the ball. Yes. Yeah, that was another, that was another very big play. Um, By the way, Bo, we should tell the listeners, I, I asked the question you wanted me to ask on, on Monday. Oh yes. Uh, and it, it came to mind because you guys were talking about um, Nelson Kong for the flag. I asked Doug if he's resigned to not throwing the challenge flag for pass interferences now. And he said that he's inclined to keep it in his pocket, knowing the value of timeouts and knowing the value of challenges. He said if there was something that like really needs to be looked at, then obviously they're going to throw the flag. But it sounds like if it's close, they're going to hold the flag now, given uh, the fact that they're not getting these overturned. What is it league wide? One for twenty one or something like that? I think I don't that's have it right. Me, but that sounds right. I mean, it's it's always good when 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 a new rule is instituted and the league itself can't even uh, abide by the by its own rule. Well, it's I'm glad you asked that question, Zach, because one of my notes, you know, I was just baffled by both thinking you were going to ask that Josh McCown made <laughs> football question. So <laughs> I would have liked that question, given the other questions that were going on. Doug would be I've, like. Thank you. Thank you. This is one I would like to answer. I mean, I would have had to lead the podcast with that if, if, if you asked that question. Um, <laughs> wh- I want to talk briefly about Miles Sanders and his emergence as like the, the only downfield threat that they have. Uh, and there's, there's some calls for like, okay, let's just put Miles Sanders you know, in the slot and have him be out there. I've been impressed with Miles Sanders, but it, it does seem to me like he, you know, he's not running like a diversity of routes. It's basically... Uh, line up in the backfield and go deep, and Carson Wentz is is finding him and making beautiful throws. But I, you know, he's he doesn't strike me as like a refined route runner in any way. It's sort of he's got speed and he and he has good hands. Uh, it's an intriguing idea. I, I haven't thought of that making him a full time slot receiver. <laughs> that would be something. But I, I think you're right. I mean, you look at it on the touchdown. He's beating a linebacker on the uh, wheel. You know, I think it was a wheel route down the left sideline. That was a pick play where they picked Anthony Barr, and so he's running down the sideline. Yeah, he's not lining up against a Justin Coleman-type slot corner and, you know, running these very refined routes. I mean, I, I'm i finding Aguilar really tough to watch right now, mm-hmm. so if they if they were to do that, uh, maybe, but that doesn't feel like it's the solution it's, to It me. feels to me more more like a, a, a really good job of offensive scheming than anything else. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that, I mean... They're what sixth in offensive DVOA. Like uh, I don't know with this group that that that's kind of pretty good for the personnel they have right now, in my opinion. Yeah. All right. Any other any other thought? Oh, what did you think of the fake field goal, Shiel? I was on the fence there. I normally am into every fake, you know, fake pun, fake field, do crazy stuff. I I do think the point about was the upside really there. You know, you're going to take, what, two shots at the end zone from the 17-yard line? Uh, yes. I don't know. I don't know about, like, that situation doesn't uh, doesn't totally excite me. Okay. I get the shield stamp of approval. I like it. 
I'm not so sure that that was a pretty tepid stamp of <laughs> approval. <laughs> Bo was Bo was all about it. Bo liked it from the minute it I'm happened. I'm still all about it. Bo had a nice breakdown of it in the day after I thought. Although, although Bo was convinced that it was designed for a touchdown. Well, I still until, I, I still agree. With, I still think that's true. If like, you look what? at the first. If you look at the first field goal, it could be designed to go out of bounds, but if he's wide open, he's going to keep running into the end zone. Yeah. But, but like, the, the defensive end is – I mean, that's his guy. So defensive end is, is going to be trailing him too. So he would need to – Yeah, but you know, if, he, I mean, if you look at that first one, if they got the look they expected, it would have been a touchdown. The one, I, the think, one, this, I think what I think the worry is that it, I, I think the, the 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 probably the right criticism, other than the potentially low upside, is that they did it they did it in a spot when a fake was too expected, probably. Uh, and that's I mean the the Vikings were in they were in a field goal safe. That's you know that's what happened. I I do think it's fair to say I mean the Eagles did get out coached in this game. I mean that's mm-hmm. one example. And then the other thing was. We went into this game saying, are they going to stick to Mike Zimmer's philosophy or are they not? And they came out, heavy personnel, play action, and threw it all over the field. I looked this up. Kirk Cousins had nine attempts that went downfield 20 yards or more, tied for the most in his career. So I thought the Vikings did a good job of analyzing the opponent's weakness and getting away from what they normally do. And really exploiting it, and I, I think it's a conversation that kind of carries over this week uh, against the Cowboys. That's I mean, exactly I don't right. think it—it's not a secret about how to beat the Eagles. You know, you can. Uh, by the way, the Vikings had one of those misdirection runs on their first possession, which mm-hmm. I said every team should do. I don't know if they—I'm sure was that a big topic of conversation. I think they had the two, right? Yeah. Stephon Diggs. Yeah. So so do a couple of those early. Uh, run some screens. Slow down the pass rush. Uh, use heavy personnel, play action. You'll have voids behind the linebackers and test the cornerbacks deep. And also, I guess the last part of that is throw those those quick screens out to the wide receivers and, and make the cornerbacks tackle. Okay, I mean, can Sidney Jones two- tackle me at this point? I mean, an 18-yard gain on that. So bad. That's bad. I mean, he didn't even come close. So, I mean, I am not an offensive coordinator, but like in layman's terms, those are the things you do you're probably going to score 24 points against the <laughs> Eagles if you have, uh, you know, if, if you're competent. And then I guess the other thing is, you know, the, the I know you got, I loved Zach in my notes, Zach, Johnny Pressure, that was outstanding. Uh, I would I would wear a new Birds with Friends t-shirt that just said Johnny Pressure on it, uh, to be quite honest. Uh, I'm sort of on the fence with this. I, I think, Bo, you're right, this specific game, there were a lot of instances where the ball was just out. Uh, or it was play action. I mean, there were 10 snaps where he held the ball for three seconds or more. And I think overall the pass rush uh, certainly is a concern. But I I would agree that it felt like this one was a little bit different where the cornerbacks were just so bad that, I mean, he he rarely had to pat the ball there in the pocket. I I just want to make a point that as as we're crediting this, this Vikings offense, let's give credit to Kevin Stefanski from the Penn football program. Uh, a, a, oh, a God. place of great football minds. I know Bo's more partial to like Jason Garrett and Prince and, so and Princeton football, <laughs> but uh, I just want to give some credit to Penn football after that game. Oh my gosh! Wow. 
Well, hopefully, he'll get, hopefully, uh, hopefully, Stefanski will get. I'm just internally praying. I'm praying for Zach here. That's all. I'm just hoping. I'm just <laughs> hoping that uh, Stefanski will joke. get his his invite to the White House with his fellow Penn alum. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you took enough blame for that loss, by the way, Bo. I mean, you just went all in on Kirk Cousins, the call. You know, you did the whole bit last week. What are you talking about? I'm the only one who picked the Vikings to win. And he came out and just lit the Eagles up. I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm the one. I should be. I should be celebrated. Come on. Oh, so you you did the old rope a dope then. You gave him bulletin board material, and uh, and then you picked them to win. I graciously right. invited him on the show. Okay. I think that probably annoyed some listeners. They were thinking, "Man, Bo really riled him up." Well, now he's lighting up our secondary. I think. Well, I think I, I'm glad <laughs> to have Zach Brown be my scapegoat. Yeah, you're lucky he said that, or it would have been all you. Yeah. You would have been released Doug, this Exactly, week. Doug would have released me. Uh, all right, let's close this out with uh, with a segment that Sheila's going to hate. We've got uh, we've got a two-can-you big matchup coming up. We'll dive into the Cowboys more on, on Friday, but the Eagles and Cowboys have played four games over the last two years since Sheila and I returned to the beat. Over that time, 12 different players on the Eagles and Cowboys have scored touchdowns. Two can you name those 12 players? We will start with Shields since he's a significant underdog, and you will we'll go uh, one at a time. I wasn't listening. What's the game? 12 Eagles have scored a touchdown against the Cowboys? Not, not Eagles. Eagles or Cowboys who have scored touchdowns when these two teams have played over the last two years. So four games. So this is since 2017, yes. correct? Okay. Uh, Amari Cooper. That's correct. He has three. Now, now, Zach now it's goes? your turn, Zach. Okay. Um, I am going with Nigel Bradham. He That's... had that re- that interception return uh, in the 2017 game. That's correct. I'm sorry, not interception, fumble return. We know Nigel doesn't intercept the ball, so. Correct. Wow, fumble. Ezekiel Elliott. That's correct. He has two. By the way, I love how Zach is thinking of specific instances. You're just I'm, just thinking who, I'm thinking who are on these two teams right. you know, who might have caught one. I have no idea about the play or the circumstance. So, well, because the, the – I'm going with 2017 first, and that second game, there was like a 6 nothing game, so there was nothing there. So it had to be that first game when, when Camus was the kicker. Um, Alshon had a big, big, big touchdown in that game, right? That's when he was screaming at the camera afterwards. Yeah, and then he, uh, he, I remember him in the locker room. He said, yeah. uh, nobody you can don't, F with us yeah. or something? Exactly. That's so right. Yeah. Is, it, is it Nigel? Oh, uh, Alshon, Alshon, yes. He has two, actually. Okay. Okay, okay. back to Shield. Uh, I will go with Zach Ertz. That's correct. He's the last one who has multiple touchdowns. Um, so there was that long Jay Ajayi run where he got caught from behind. And, Byron uh, Jones, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so they so they took him out of the game because he was he was kind of winded there. Um, so did I? I'm presuming Legarrette Blunt finished that drive. Was it Blunt? Zach, that is incorrect. Oh, oh baby. Whoa. Okay. Did did they let Jay finish it? No. There, oh. are, there, are, he would be there. There are two interesting ones on this list, and one of them. Oh, wait a second! It is um. So it was, it was, it was Corey Clement, correct? Well, he has one. I'm assuming that is the okay. one. Okay. 
Uh, Sheila, would you like to continue? You have one, two, can you? But... What do you think? <laughs> uh, what did he say? If, Zach, said, if you... Zach can get five of the last six on his own, he can claw back a tie in two, can you? No, 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 no. Listen, the game's over. If you want to do it for fun, then that's fine. Go ahead. I'll right. make up the rules. Well, I do rem- I, I do know this now um, because now I have time to think about this game. Um, and <laughs> now that we can hear you looking that, it up on Pro Football saw, Reference. No, 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 no. I saw a clip the other day. Um, like, was it Tuesday or Monday? Um, no, I'll tell you exactly when it was. All right. <laughs> I was flying... I was flying back Monday morning, and someone a few seats in front of me had. I, I know you shouldn't be looking at like someone's screen, but they had oh, it I up. Love when they, it's hard not to look at the screen. Yeah, yeah, hard not to. I do it on purpose. I, went, had, I had a. I had they, my flight and, back from Minneapolis. I had forgotten. I, I forgot my headphones on this trip, which is you know one of the biggest mistakes you can make. So I had nothing to nothing to listen to, and uh, there's a there was the woman next to me was watching. I think it's called like the other woman or something like that. The, the with the the guy from Game of Thrones and uh, Cameron Diaz and and uh, it's one of the scenes is filmed at my uh, my friend's house. So that's what that's what I watched for ten minutes. Do you watch the other person's screen? So so yeah. So this person had on the uh, like the video, the retrospective of the 2017 Eagles, and they had the Dallas game. And they have on the bench after a touchdown um, a running back. And I'm like, wait, who was that? And it was Kenyon Barner. It was 38. Kenyon Barner scored a touchdown in that That's game. That's correct. So I, I, I vividly recall that now that I'm thinking about it. I remember that because I, I, I believe it was he had one touch for one touchdown in that game. And I, wanted, and I, I remember looking up how many times that had happened. I'm sure you had some weird tweet about that. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> All right. How many more do you want to try to get, Zach? You've got five left. So I have to pick all of them. Here, let's tag, let's just let's just shout out names. Okay. Uh, Nelson uh, Ag- Nelson Aguilar. No. <laughs> Neither of them. What What did Zach say? Uh, Tory Smith. Tory Smith is correct. Okay. Dak Prescott. That's correct. Carson uh, Wentz. No, Carson Wentz. Uh, the two Eagles are from the game in Dallas last year, and the. Dallas one is from the Week 17 game in 2017. I would be shocked if you get this one. Alan Wait, that was a six nothing game. They they missed an extra point in that game. Correct, and it was not Alan Hearns. Yes. Um. Uh. Oh, it was Jason Witten's last game. Was it Jason Witten? It was not. Michael Gallup. No. <laughs> Dallas Goddard. Dallas Goddard is correct. You will remember that when I say the, uh, the eagle who scored, you will remember the play from last year. I'll be the judge of that. It is a player yeah, who was that. currently on the Eagles and injured. Oh, Jalen Mills. <laughs> no. Ronald Darby. No. <laughs> Avante Maddox. Darren Sproles. Darren Sproles. Uh, I'm supposed to remember that play? Yeah, remember he like juked the guy out. He caught it at, like, the five and then juked him out for a touchdown. I legitimately don't remember anything from Sunday's games. Okay. I don't remember last year. The last one, <laughs> the last player, Bryce Butler. Mm, double B. Mm, B squared. BB. B money. 
Okay. Uh, I, I've been meaning to tell you, uh, Shield, that we have a new uh, song in, in the Wolf household. What do you got? All I need is one wipe. How does it go? All I need is one wipe. <laughs> it's basically a one-line song. Okay, not bad. Uh, how much time do you have before you have to leave? I got all kinds of time. Oh. oh, well, don't you have locker room coming up here? Yeah, but I can get there shortly. All right, let me give you my ombudsman takes. Uh, Jim Nance pronounces the Jets coach's name like uh, Zach Berman pronounces the thing you need to put in your car. Really? Adam Gaz? Adam Gaze. <laughs> yeah, so it's a little bit different, but okay. uh, there's that. Uh Bo, you said Sidney James left the game again today. <laughs> you combined the two quarterbacks. <laughs> I actually heard that one. Yeah, Sidney James. Uh, Zach, thank you for complimenting me on the hat game. You know, Bo was trying to get uh, move off that topic pretty quickly. Uh, I'm glad you uh, you recognized me there. You're welcome. That, that was nice. That was uh, nice. Zach, tremendous uh, happy hour call out. The, the happy hour menu thing. I mean, come on, Bo. Uh, give me a break. What, you wanted there was some fancy menu at the hotel you were trying to get your uh, mitts on? I just what was wanted like about? a pasta. I just wanted something yeah. other other than like a, uh, what do they have? Like a, just like buffalo wings or whatever. That's what actually, after a game at like 10 o'clock, that's what I want is I, I want a bar menu. I, yeah, I don't want... you want a little comfort food. Yes, stop, exactly. Stop being such an aristocrat. No, please. By the way, they held it open for me. I was five minutes late, and they let me order off the menu. Thank God. Yeah. So, so you got some pasta? I got some pasta. Okay. A little, uh, a little bolognese. Uh, Dallas Goddard, you know, was involved in last week's game. How, how many yards do you think Dallas Goddard has on the season? Fewer less than 100. Or fewer, fewer, not less, fewer, yes. 91 yards in five mm. games. Yeah, not great. Just saying, you know, I, I don't Resources. know. I would, I would say among the players in the NFL who have fewer than 100 yards, he's definitely the most hyped. <laughs> All right. That was a little shot. It's a little resources shot. I know he's played well. I know the blocking, but you know, I, I don't know. You're looking for passing game weapons. You think you drafted this guy. I agree. And I know he was involved last week, but I couldn't, when I saw that, I said 91 yards. That's it. That's not good. Okay. Uh, I think that was everything. That was it. All right. Do you think I, I got one last question? Do you think this offense is boring? Uh, at times, yes. Okay. I feel like that's been part of the problem. It's just kind of boring. Something a lot of times. I agree with that. Especially like, it, I mean, it, it's it, it's part of the lack of speed. It's like, oh, okay, here's here's like Alshon Jeffrey on like a seven-yard hitch, and he gets tackled right away. Like, okay, fun. Yeah. I don't think it's boring. I just think it's it's like a TV show that that you watch, and, like, they've already had the storylines over three years. You need to introduce something to kind of change it or mix it up. And and I just feel like it's a, it's a lot of the same people, a lot of the same uh, same plays that, that that we've seen over the past few years. That's why – like when Miles Sanders does something, when Deshaun Jackson does something, it maybe resonate more than like if if Alshon Jeffrey does something. Alshon Jeffrey had ten catches, and like it it was just kind of yeah. And about how many of those players. catches do you remember? I remember three of them, the two the two quick screens and the one he ran out of bounds on. 
Yeah, but I think a, a ten catch game is like that's 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 a decent game. I don't think Alshon Jeffrey was their problem on Sunday. Yeah, I actually I was thinking about that as I was watching the film, and I don't know how many, but a number of his catches picked up first down. So I don't think those were uh, hollow yards. Yeah, uh, and he, he caught a touchdown. He had a nice touchdown catch. Okay. So. That was a nice play, but that was a that real was a nice Wentz. play by Wentz. That was a Wentz play, yeah. yeah. And there was the other Wentz play, the one you already talked about, where he escaped the, escaped the pressure and then, then found Alshon. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What's, right. your, what's your quick – we don't have to give us a scouting report, but do, do you – your quick take on the Cowboys, is this a team in disarray or, or a team that has uh, gotten unlucky over the past couple of weeks? Uh, I mean, I think it's, they're kind of similar to the Eagles. I mean, it's if they're going to be without Amari Cooper, I don't know if he practiced today or not, they're limited in the passing game. But if you look at the offense's numbers overall, the offense has not been the problem, even though that's dominated the conversation. Their defense got lit up last week. I mean, Sam Darnold and Adam Gase threw for 300 plus yards uh, on them. So um, I don't know. That's the, I guess that's the short version and we'll get into more of it later this week. Okay. Fair enough. Shout out to uh, shout out to our listeners in Peru. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's all I got. All right. Uh, that'll do it for this episode of birds with friends. We'll be back on Friday with our in-depth preview of the game. An important one for, a reeling Eagles team. For Zach and Sheil, I'm Bo, and as always, we love you. friends.